you're listening to Estranged, and this is our 21st episode, I think. 22nd. Uh, 22nd, yeah. And uh, last time that we did an episode, we were talking a little bit about Terry Malik and how we were going to do an episode on him next time. So here we are, and we're going to talk about To the Wonder. Is that his latest? No, no, he's done a couple more since. Two or three. Didn't he do one? Two or three. Didn't he? Didn't he do one with Christian Bale where he's like a yeah, musician? Yeah, Knight, Knight of Cups. He's like, I think, like a screenwriter producer. I did watch it actually. Mm-hmm. Uh, I liked it. I confess. I thought I, I, I thought I was going to absolutely hate it, but I liked it a lot. And that was a, that's yeah. his last one. No, then he did this one song to song that I haven't seen, which is like I think it's got your favorite actress. Rooney Mara, Rooney Mara. Yeah. and Ryan Gosling and it's yeah. about uh, musicians and uh, okay. I think there's another one. Oh, the, then there's one that's just come out or I don't know if it's been released in cinemas but um, A Hidden Life I think it's called about a conscientious objector in Nazi Germany. Yeah. Which did apparently you, is very good. So, Did you... Um, Listen to Christopher Plummer talking about yeah, I did. Terry Malick. Yeah, did, yeah. On that actors' <laughs> like, roundtable thing, yeah. Yeah, yeah, he was like, it's really good, but I would never work with him again. And then he was like saying, like, he desperately needs a scriptwriter. I know, it's interesting and in how, I think he was saying about how, he, you know, he had this big role. It wasn't in um, The New World, and it was all cut he, from he the film. He got cut out yeah. of the film, yeah. I guess the th- the thing is that he's like the exception to the rule or one of the few exceptions to the rule where he is doing, he goes with, you know, it, it, the, the script is not written beforehand necessarily as in it. That yeah. Even like in, in, I think it was he first started doing, I think there was a script for Badlands, but then in um, Days of Heaven is where he kind of developed this way of doing, I think, as far yeah. as I know from YouTube documentaries. Um, yeah. And... Uh, that building the film happens in post and they get a lot of material and then they they kind of it's more they're more like tone poems than narrative films well it's interesting because like i was listening to i think it was quentin tarantino he was talking Mm -hmm. about that he wrote sort of backstories for leonardo dicaprio yeah uh and for brad pitt so it's just like oh like here i'm gonna give you some scripts of like these tv episodes that you did like or that your character did that's hilarious yeah so that he gets sort of like a you know like this this backdrop of like existence so he can Mm -hmm. play off of that yeah but it it seems to me like when i saw this one that rachel mcadams like i'm guessing that they probably shot a lot more of her Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. but there's this sort of spiritual absence that is supposed to represent like a lot more of who she is Mm-hmm. But maybe he chooses like the bits and pieces that he thinks represent the character more. Yeah. Uh, so it's There's like, some... I guess, like, sorry. Yeah. No, 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 no. You can't carry on. Sorry. No, I was just going to say that um, the. I, I think that there's a depth that the audience never gets to see. Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. for Terry, for, for Malik, it's not like. It's not something that he writes, it's something that he films. And yeah, it, that's interesting. It works as the yeah. hi- it work it works as the history of the character, yeah, but you yeah. never see it. And maybe um, that's like the only thing he understands. Or whatever. that's interesting. I have two things. I love the way you call him Terry, like his uncle Terry. 
Uncle Terry. Um, yeah, my, my friend Terry. Yeah. Your friend Terry. The other thing I was going to say, I'm actually quite, there's a project that we're um, in post-production on at the moment that I don't know if it came, I wrote the script like four years ago, so I don't know, can't really remember the process of writing it, but maybe it came from the script or the fact that basically it feels like it's a short film cut out of a feature film but that the feature film doesn't exist. So it's like pointing to this bigger thing just because of the way the film ended up forming. It's mm -hmm. very like elliptical. And I guess you it think was it's like supposed a to be like that. You think it's like a long format trailer of people's lives? <laughs> Sometimes yeah, it feels maybe. like that. Like, maybe, yeah, 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 yeah no, exactly. But it is interesting having this idea of um, an invisible, like a non, -ex you know, it's like this, uh, the the uh, Zizek joke of, mm the 10 pounds if they were lost this person would be perfect oh, yeah. or uh, something pointing to something non-existent but it is as if it exists like an artifact mm. um you know it's funny it would be funny to do like a project or like even like make a religion or something out of something that doesn't exist and everybody knows it's just a fake but you like create this whole world well there's already to this so, nothing thing. there's already something that perfectly captures that and it's oh, called yeah. christianity <laughs> nobody no, believes it and it doesn't true. exist yeah. yeah yeah it doesn't exist uh, there's nothing behind the curtain the cross <laughs> the x yeah no but i'm just kidding tell me more about that no, no but i do i do like that i do like the point that you make that the very kind of elliptical nature of it the mm -hmm. the form points to this imaginary surplus that's not really there because is it real if it's not in the film because it's just filmed it's like in the can but it's not actually yeah yeah no but it's and then also the other point you make about how um quentin tarantino like writes in advance as you say these supplementary film tv script episode scripts but terence malick might just like film so much stuff so yeah i mean that's it's a very documentary kind of way of doing it yeah um, and, i was gonna uh, ask you did you did you ever read the the parallax view the Zizek? No, I have not read it. Okay, so he basically talks about like the ontological nature of the view or the mm -hmm, gaze, right? Mm -hmm, so you have mm -hmm. like this. <laughs> I'm sorry when you say the gaze, <laughs> I'm just like the gaze, the homosexual. The gaze, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, but it's like um, basically the position from which you look at yeah. something, uh, or or the change that a parallax view can cause on an object depending okay. on the subjective sort of view from it. He right. kind of makes the claim, and it's like kind of Hegelian that like the position from which you view something doesn't just change the view mm -hmm. or the dimension of the view, but it actually changes the the object itself. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, and mm -hmm. I think that maybe Terry, Ma sorry, Mister Malig. <laughs> <laughs> no, I like I like the Terry thing. I like the yeah. Terry thing. <laughs> no, I th I think that maybe he's like the director of that philosophical concept oh, yeah. because. Because, like, you don't get to see everything, but depending on his editing process, mm -hmm. uh, it changes the film itself. And it's all there, of course. There's nothing new that comes into the scene. But, like, the ultimate thing that goes for the audience uh, is already determined by this sort of, like, parallax view from, like, hundreds of hours that he shoots for, right? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yeah, I know that's interesting. Yeah, and it it's is and it's a specific sort of narrative or like a view that he adopts that you know mm -hmm. it, he only wants to show like a specific sort of like behavior or something from the characters. Do you know, I kind of I kind of feel like um, what he does is not 
it's not like drama, you know, it's not like film, dramatic narrative filmmaking. It's a whole other genre, not even genre, it's a whole other form that hasn't really caught on, but he can do it. <laughs> yeah, it's like a documentary with set design or something. Yeah, no, yeah, it's like a documentary with intent, like a like a dramatic, do- well, dramatic documentary might be something else, like uh, mm-hmm. um, Spinal Tap or something, you know? Yeah, <laughs> that yeah, might yeah. be like, a, that's a mockumentary. Yeah, but it's it's like yeah, it has like it's like a, a dramatic film with a Production, very aesthetically yeah. pleasing documentary form. Yeah, no, it's interesting. Mm-hmm. It's like the it's like the the mirror opposite of something like in the thick of it. I've never seen that. Is that so good? So funny. what is that? It's what Veep was based on. It's like this Armando Iannucci's um writer comedy writer from the UK, and it's about um like a mockumentary of a sort of fictionalized version of kind of Tony Blair's government. Okay, yeah. Yeah, it's very funny. It's very funny. With the, like Al- Alistair Campbell, who is like the spin doctors. Um, this um, mm. a guy called Malcolm Tucker, who's this very angry Scottish guy. But it's very funny. It's very funny. I was thinking about you today because uh, my wife started watching Downton Abbey. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Why did like, you think wonder... about me with Downton Abbey? Just because I I'm, don't know. this is stereotyping the English. Oh my god! <laughs> yeah, I don't know. It was like yeah. very proper and like god, I, hilarious. I, I, it reminds me <laughs> of when I was watching. Um, I mean, a more modern version, but yeah, Joanna uh, Hogg. Joanna Hogg films. Yeah, I mean, yeah, yeah. I mean, it is. It's a similar, I guess. Um, well, in, in the UK has a very interesting kind of like history societal structures let's just say um and yeah that that that, i mean downtown be kind of charts the death of the i guess the landed gentry i I don't know actually they might be aristocracy i don't know do they have it is Mm -hmm. is the guy called like lord something i guess he is then he's aristocracy no i don't know i just saw the the, parts of the first episode okay yeah uh, have you seen it i i I watched a couple of episodes i Mm -hmm. didn't talking about um things like being elliptical and maybe rushed and like hammered into a smaller container of the actual like product yeah and saying that i like it the thing that used to annoy me when i watched a couple of downtown abbey episodes back in the day was how much history was like crammed into one episode it's like bam 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 it's the first world war oh my god it's spanish flu oh my god yeah she's dead duh yeah but anyway. And it is elliptical <laughs> because I think the first episode they kind of hint that that some people related to the family died in the Titanic. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So yeah, but you you only get like bits and pieces of it. Yeah, yeah, it's like a little little line and you're, here and there. Yeah, and you're sort of immediately sort of exposed to the sort of the, the behavior and like the the customs and all of that of mm-hmm. like the family or whatever the guy who wrote it wrote gosford park which is a very very good film i don't know if you've that's seen that's the it. um robert altman yep yep yeah, yeah it's very good but um as i say i i maybe it'd be interesting to watch uh downton abbey i'd be more interested in like questions of why it caught on to such an extent and why people like yeah. it so much but um yeah, I don't. I I literally have watched maybe two episodes, maybe like eight years ago. So I can't really claim to be able to say anything about it, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, so so I guess the main question that arose when thinking about Terence Malick is: mm-hmm. is he a believer? 
Um, yeah, I think so. So, like, in what ways would you say? Because obviously the thing is, it's like, so the Zizek point of, like, Mother Nature is a bitch. Like, Mother Nature doesn't care mm. about you. Whereas you do get the impression in, in, in like, Terence Malick films of there's, like, this greater oneness at play. Yeah. 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 Um, yeah, I think that he's definitely religious. Not, not only is he religious, I think he's Christian. Okay. Because there's a lot of that in Tree of Life. Mm -hmm. And then there's a lot of that in To the Wonder. Or, mm -hmm. yeah. I, I mean, there's a priest and there's all these, like, I think that he views yearning mm -hmm. or the desire for transcendence yeah. or meaning as uh, particularly Christian. Uh, or or Catholic. Yeah, I I um, felt like To the Wonder is a more Catholic film compared yeah. to others. Um, mm -hmm. I don't know why I got that impression. Maybe it's because Javier Bardem is the like priest and he's like Spanish, so I was just saying so so, so he's Spanish yeah. being with being Catholic. But yeah, it has, it has a I mean it has a more European film feel to it, like you know, rather than kind of a Northern European feel. It has like yeah, a Southern I mean, European it's... feel. I mean, it's fine. Like, you can have a Christian character or mm -hmm. Catholic character or whatever, but the way that he aligns the search for meaning or the search for love with yeah. the search for God, mm -hmm. and it's very clear that you can hear, like, uh, I forgot what her name is, but uh, Olga Kurilenko, you can yeah. kind of hear her thoughts and her desires and, like, you know, what she's, like, her, her search or whatever. Mm -hmm. And those are almost kind of, like, in series with, the Javier Bardem thoughts and, yeah. and the yearn the yearning is like they weirdly sort of mirror each other mm -hmm. the type of yearning and like the search for like a place to be um I just thought that was very interesting but I, yeah definitely I just felt like even I don't know like my dad's very into like uh spirituality and Christianity mm -hmm. and I think that there's this sort of like the way that he romanticizes it is like it's a search and I'm not really sure what it means or how it manifests itself. But the most important thing of it is not the thing itself, but my search for it. And I think that this, that the movie basically does that. Like it, 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 it makes beautiful this sort of like disquiet mm -hmm. and the search for something, something bigger than yourself. And I think, I think it's interesting that, the gypsy friend of mm -hmm. uh of the of the of the girl uh she comes she comes and then like she tells her like oh you need you know this <laughs> this greatest showman type of like attitude of just like you you're an animal and you're mm -hmm. yourself you shouldn't apologize forget be free or whatever and like that's not the answer at all and it it seems for malik like things get in order and people continue on in the supposed like uh, a way of their lives that is like correct through this like search for something bigger and uh and maybe even forgiveness or redemption or whatever mm -hmm. um so yeah i thought that i think that he's like profoundly religious it's interesting i was just thinking about you know talking about uh so olga kurilenko's character's friend who's like yeah you're you're like a sex kitten or whatever at one stage um <laughs> but yeah there's this whole thing that like comes up a lot and i have to say um okay first point often when you feel like an emotional response to something 
and moved by it. It can either be like moving in and of itself or it can speak to ideology. <laughs> yeah. You know, and you're like, oh, look at all these people holding hands and getting on. That's like totally like a neoliberal ideology thing. So like yeah. the heartwarming the Drum circle thing. or some shit. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> But I like I'm I I do really like Terence Malick and I I'm always really moved by his stuff. But then I think, and this is just my own interpretation, that he does believe in a sort of oneness. Or that okay, so where I would differ with him is I'm all in for the search and everything. I think this like the search or the like the process is all there is. But for me, at the end of the rainbow, there's nothing. Mm-hmm. Um, but I do get the impression that it's a search and then this like with the possibility of transcendence at the end. Yeah. Um, But there's a thing, there's a trope that you always see, which is like spinning in circles, like dancing in a circle. Have you seen it? You know what I mean? There's a bit, there's a bit where they're in the Tuileries Gardens and Olga Korolenko's mm-hmm. daughter is kind of like runs like she they, like it literally you'll see in every every Terence Malick film it's like your arms out wide and you like run oh yeah around yeah in she circle. does the whole, the whole <laughs> yeah. movie pretty much the whole movie yeah I think it's I, funny that when she does she doesn't do that now mm-hmm. she's like depressed yeah, yeah I know <laughs> like, exactly yeah. where it's like actually I think you were depressed when you're doing the childlike cycle but the thing is mm-hmm. like there's a, obviously that is a kind of very childlike trope. And there's yep. a sort of Orientalist vibe I find in Terrence Malick mm-hmm. films, which is like, I really like the new, like, I I, lo- I say this as like, I love all his films. <laughs> I love his form. Mm-hmm. I love the form. And I love, yeah. to, I love to be made to cry and stuff. Um, but yeah, no, I think there is like a sort of noble savage thing. Even mm-hmm. even with like Olga Kurilenko's character, she's like the the mystical European for the Midwestern American, you know. Um, yeah. Even though that relationship, to, I think there's like a, the re, I think the reason why I wanted to talk about maybe to the wonder a bit more than the other films is I think it's well, it's not my favorite of his, but I do like it because of this like earthedness and like re, like brokenness to it and the impossible love story, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Um, mm-hmm. I think it's not. Uh, it doesn't point to. Um, it basically it's like it's like the grit and grime of the world you know i like the fact that it's just a regular mid midwestern guy you know and they go to live in like where is it oklahoma or something do you um, think it's like uh like eurocentric because i honestly not not in a bad way i, mm-hmm. I don't i didn't mean that to be like oh well, it's problematic or whatever who the fuck cares <laughs> but um i just think that like so this is what i got out of the film yeah. when i was watching yeah. it um and maybe it's because I've I've had this conversation with a few friends, but I thought that city planning and city sort of structures, mm-hmm. the archaeological structure of cities um, mm-hmm. had a lot to do with it because mm-hmm. the film is really beautiful in when it's in Europe. Mm-hmm. I think they're in France and they're in different mm-hmm. places. There's this incredible castle that's like... Yeah, Mont Saint-Michel, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Incredible. Yeah. And then... They move to the to Oklahoma, mm-hmm. and it's so fucking drab. It's so gray and so sad. And even like, <laughs> did you ever see this Mar- uh, Michael Moore movie um, where they visit Scandinavian prisons? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so basically, the way yeah, that they look is cool. like yeah. this uh, picket fences. They have like these houses, but it kind of looks. I mean, it looks a little bit like a prison, but it. Mm-hmm. It also kind of looks like a suburban Americans or neighborhood. Mm-hmm. And 
I just thought it was interesting that when they moved to the U.S. It's, and it just looks like like a prison, basically. Um, I mean, it's always not, shot in gold whole... now. <laughs> so this is sort of yeah. nice to. But yeah, no, I I know what you mean. It is kind but of. But do you remember? Yeah. Do you remember when her friend comes and mm-hmm. then she's like, she's like, "What the hell's going on here? There's nobody. Mm-hmm. Nobody's here. Where is everybody?" And she starts screaming and she starts mm-hmm. like, "I want somebody to surprise me." So. Isn't it true that like a lot of American cities, not all of them, but are basically designed so that your only two spots are work and home and there's nothing in between. Uh, You can't walk like it's not built like a downtown where there's like the city center where you can bump into people. And uh, like I was kind of resented the fact that I never grew up in a city where I would just bump into my friends, you know, because I, I think all of my life I've lived in cities where, mm-hmm. yeah, they're kind of like, you don't walk anywhere. Yeah. Um, Monterey is a bit like that. It's like yeah. highways everywhere. Yeah, it's just highways and like you, you know, if you want to go somewhere, it's going to be a 15 minute drive. Mm-hmm. Like, So I don't know. I just think it's interesting. And I think Kant talked a little bit about this, like the importance of like uh, public public spaces Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and um it just like it seems like oklahoma there is like completely devoid of public life it's everything's private and uh i don't know if that i wonder if it's like the relationship that wasn't working because he you know ben affleck seems kind of like a whatever character he doesn't Mm -hmm. talk that much or anything so it doesn't seem like he did anything wrong i was Mm -hmm. kind of like struggling to know if like the rachel mcadams thing was like when if it was cheating or if it was like when she left the, i think was it uh, wasn't there like a bit of a crossover where he didn't like get with her but they were like met and stuff yeah before. they met or whatever yeah. but but anyway um i just think that like is it really what is it that broke the relationship is it is, I kind of is it the, the fact Im- that they moved to us then <laughs> like really- the america's fault it's america's fault <laughs> yeah i don't know yeah i feel yeah, like i kind of got that yeah I feel like uh, there was a sort of um, vague point that they're incompatible because of their nationality as in like there's an untranslatability mm-hmm. between yeah. what this guy wants and what she wants because of their nationality. But I don't know, yeah. it, could be, it could be wrong. But yeah, no, it, it, so you're saying Do basically you it's, yeah. it's sort of orientalizing the Europe or that it's showing that Europe is better because you (laughs) well maybe not maybe not europe as a whole but like europe at least the the structure of the city Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm because okay so uh, two things there's this part where she sleeps with this other guy right to yeah it almost it it, it seems like it's to make ben affleck mad but (laughs) um yeah like they sleep together and then she she gets away from the hotel room and it's just cars like yeah it's all like and I, i've i've felt that many times when i've attempted to walk like here in the city in monterey mexico uh it's completely alienating like you just you almost feel kind of like in danger like if you're not yeah. meant to walk like yeah. it, this is like a space for cars only and for quick transportation uh, and the other thing is like i remember when we watched uh, the green ray yeah um it it felt like it had that, like you, sorry, not the alienation, the opposite of it, where you can just go out 
and you'll bump into somebody and somebody will surprise you and somebody will say something. And there's this sort of like community to mm -hmm. the city mm -hmm. that I feel like it's very absent in a lot of industrial cities, which is like the majority of American cities. And mm -hmm. a lot of Mexican cities are like that, unless it's like a colonialized one where they have mm -hmm. like a big city center. Yeah. Mm. That's interesting. I guess there's a, there's a few things that that makes me think of. Because... Um, you know, you mentioned the Green Ray, and there is a sort of like disquiet in the characters in uh, To the Wonder. And it's like when they, like, so when Olga Kurilenko first goes to America, it's like, oh my God, look at the, how many varieties of cereal they have in this supermarket, you know? Wow, everything's yeah. clean here. Wow, wow, wow. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then it's, it quickly turns. So, the point being, that's kind of an interesting potential truth that, like, yeah, you, you go somewhere, it has this promise. And then ultimately there's no promise there at all. Because as yeah. you say, like, you know, the, the downside is this kind of clinical um, alienation. Sterile, terms of like, yeah, yeah the, like the geographical location. But yeah, the other side of it is like, look how like technologically advanced and how many products they have. And then, and, and, uh, so that's potentially like where the, the um, to the wonder is like, I don't know if the word correct is like touches on something that's true to like subjectivity. Um, but then the other thing about Europe, which is maybe a flip side of this point, is that I, I don't want to like single people out, but I have a lot of American friends who like really fetishize Europe. Yeah. Um, and it, it's amazing. It's like, God, if Europe was as amazing as it seems in your mind, I'd love to live there, you know? <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, no, yeah. There, there, but there is something to be said, having said that, about community and um definitely there, there was also this a study i don't know if you saw it about um metropolitan people being more likely to be liberal and then that leading to various other different um perspectives like i don't know i don't know where i saw the study it's mentioned somewhere but it could you know a theory is that by dint of moving into a metropolitan area where you're on top of people you become more um sympathetic's not the word but aware of the plight of others Mm -hmm. so obviously it's like what comes first the conservative or the being removed geographically from people but then on well, the, the flip conservative side, but yeah, yeah yeah no exactly i i think so too and then the other the other thing is that um this same study talks about how conservatives are more likely to be um give aid to charity and to help their friends and family but mm -hmm. the liberal is less likely he's more likely to basically there's a, a kind of a similar amount of bother for the other but for the conservative it comes to like those they know whereas the liberal it's potentially those they don't know but then yeah i know there's this idea that um i mean correlation doesn't equal causation obviously but that there was a uh, a kind of a, a correlation between being in a metropolitan area and being a quote-unquote liberal Mm -hmm. So, yeah. What I like about conservatives and like this is something that that Todd has talked about mm -hmm. in white theory, but it's basically like conservatives enjoy the most. Yeah, exactly. And <laughs> I think <laughs> I think a few a few episodes ago we talked about um being a hater. Yeah. Uh, I remember I told you it's like I stopped How much being a hater. Yeah, yeah, it was like, so being, like, oh my God, like I've been miserable ever since I decided to be more open-minded mm -hmm. and and like liking more things. Yeah. But really, it's like, if you're a hater, it doesn't mean that you hate everything. It just means mm -hmm. that you like things more it's passionately, more, yeah. less yeah, no, things. Exactly. And I feel like that's sort of like the general sort of 
idea of conservatism mm-hmm. it's not you know it, the fact that right now they're republican or they're like racist or whatever is just like a moment in time mm-hmm. i think it more is a predisposition to enjoy less things more yeah, it's like a uh, corralling of desire. And the downfall yeah. of, well, one of the ma- many antagonisms at play within the liberal position, and of course the liberal position is different from the left. It's a fake the, universal. It's a fake universal and it's a moralizing. Because, mm-hmm. of course, liberals, okay, you have, so you have a conservative position and you have a liberal position and then, let's say, like a leftist position. And leftist puts more importance on the structure. So it's like a material interpretation yeah. of reality. Whereas a liberal... Mm-hmm. Everybody's a free agent. So, of course, then the flip side of that is, mor- is morality policing because everybody's free to have a good idea or a bad idea and they're in control of their ideas because they're free. And that's what like liberals and conservatives have more in common than they do with the left um, yeah. in that sense, uh, yeah. even though conservatives and leftists have similarities as well. But uh, I just think you- it's interesting that... I just think that what happened to sort of like the historicist position that a lot of leftists like claim mm-hmm. to have mm-hmm. and like why can't they see it, the conservative sort of like ideology beyond its current iteration which is like fucking MAGA or like Brexit oh, yeah. or whatever yeah. like really it doesn't matter the the the, the current sort of uh, manifestation of it really what matters is like what in what way do they rationalize things? In what way do they justify what they're doing, right? Like, yeah. maybe they become sort of agentic or whatever, but, like, there is sort of, like, a, a value to the way that people manif- manifestate their desires. Mm-hmm. And, like, if you want to convince a conservative towards something else, it's not by attacking the rationalization, but the function of their desire. I know, I think I think there's a thing about the, because the liberal position isn't a dialectical one, it's taking everything at face value. <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah. You know? Um, but yeah. that's, that's almost kind of necessary. And maybe even that's what the left is lacking, that it doesn't have this sort of uh, consistency to it. Um, I mean, I think that, at some level, the left is trying to, I, I mean, an, an authentic left to me mm-hmm. is like trying to get to a type of society where contradiction is a given. Yeah. And, but really, how long can you stay in something like that? And, and like beyond that, uh, can you sort of get into a, some kind of self-deception that is generative for the good? Um, and I think that maybe that's something that is like, that's missing from... It's basically enjoyment, I guess. I guess that's the thing where the question is, would a leftist society look very much different from a con- like the contemporary condition other than fewer people would be suffering unnecessarily? Mm-hmm. But would it look structurally very similar, you know? Because yeah, again, well, it's, it's, it's yeah. an idea of like uh, libidinal investment and death drive. Yeah. But yeah, no, it's like, yeah, how do you organize that? Well, you can't. I I just think that like I don't know. It seems kind of like a like an extreme stretch to be like a communist or a Maoist or whatever right now, because. But do you not think that they're not like that's not leftist, because that's also a sort of like right wing interp like totalitarian interpretation of Marx. Yeah, it's like uh, it's utopic. It's it's yeah. um, what was this guy called um. Marcuse. 
Yeah. Um, Marcuse was like a uh, a friend of mine was telling me he's like, oh, you know, I've been reading this guy, and he's like, he's he's he tries to get over Freud, and he's like going through Marx beyond mm-hmm. Freud or something like that. And I started reading uh, Arrows and Civilization, and I just couldn't believe how much of a fairy tale it is. Um, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. It's just it's just too much of like wanting. To, it's not growing beyond inequality. It's like growing yeah. beyond humanity itself. Yeah. And yeah, yeah. I know. I have a real. I think there's like a sort of a revival of the anarchist position right now, and to me, like anarchist is just right wing. Like it's just like just as right wing as the liberal position is. Yeah, yeah, because it's not anarchism like Chomsky's anarchism. It's like mm-hmm. anarchism via like the Joker or some. Yeah, bullshit. just like burn everything down or like, yeah. or, like you have to have organized. <laughs> yeah. You have to like you can't get you can't get away from. Basically, I don't know. For me, the, like there's there's a belief in the lost object, mm-hmm. which basically I do think is the right wing position, and mm-hmm. then an acceptance that the lost object doesn't exist. Yeah, and then. But obviously, I'm not saying like, oh, it's so special to not believe in the lost object. Like, no, like I'm not saying that at all. But I'm just think that like most political formations are just trapped in that, and therefore well, are right wing. Yeah. But, well, know. I think it's like the lost object thing. It's just it's sort of like a reminder that you don't always have to be so self deceptive, mm-hmm. and that uh, you can become aware of the fact that you know that all roads lead to the same sort of void. Yeah. Um, but it doesn't mean you shouldn't live. And that's oh, yeah, when exactly. Exactly. Play, so. And that's the whole thing of like a quote unquote leftist world would look very similar. Like you've got to pursue what you've got to pursue, you know? Mm-hmm. And this yeah. is the, I guess this is the other thing as well about, um, you know, like a sort of dumb liberal reading of Freud. And here, this is like a projection to on this, like, mythical idiot who doesn't exist but i'm just saying like an example is like people i have heard you know certain feminist critiques of people like freud saying like oh he's a patriarch because he uses the word like the the father and the mother and all this kind of stuff yeah yeah, the phallus and castration but the things it's like no like you can you can can you can like set up these familial relations and like so many different ways. And of course, we're moving into a sort of new world whereby potentially, you know, the child isn't born in the body and all this kind of stuff. Yeah. And you don't need a man. You don't even need a woman and all this kind of stuff. You yeah. know, so it's going to lead to different forms of lost objects and different, like, and that's a completely contingent thing. But this is, I guess this is like where um, I, I well, not, find... Not only, I, would just, I just want to say something really mm-hmm. quick. Like, not only that, but uh, it's important to understand Freud's work as a monument towards men's confusion towards the feminine as a whole. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Like, mm-hmm. it's not that it's phallus because he thinks that there's like a, there's like a, a like a phallocentric or whatever that Derrida used to say about Freud. But it's not that there's a phallocentric, like empirical sort of understanding of, of existence that is male, mm-hmm. but rather like, what are the tools that we're left with in the face of like the enigma of femininity? Mm-hmm. And it's this sort of like surrender of like not knowing how that functions at all and um you know doing what is it like the the, uh, you make lemonade with lemons you know so Mm -hmm. we have all these like faulty tools and i don't think it's it's empirical it's more um you know i wouldn't say spiritual but something that is like seeking for metaphorical i don't know 
I hate yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. yeah I, 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 no, I, I sometimes say that word metaphorical kind of annoys me because when people talk about Jung, they're like, oh no, like the past life regression is just a metaphor. It's like, well, is it a metaphor, isn't it? Like, yeah. <laughs> do you know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> it should be pretty fucking clear. Yeah. yeah. Um, sorry. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, no, I, I guess that this is the thing. It's like um, you have some arbitrary form of organization of society which mm-hmm. but for historically contingent reasons and biologically contingent reasons are one way and are potentially changing into something else. And that's the way it is, you know? Yeah. Um, but like, because you're on one side or the other of that contingent alteration of subjectivity slash sexuality doesn't make you special. Yeah. It's purely yeah, yeah, yeah. contingent. Yeah. Do you think, but did, um, do you think that, uh, city structures are important like because it seems to me like it's going back to this mary condo thing that mm, we talked about mm. just like romanticizing smaller estate you know for people to have a justification for living in these tiny places like yeah. did you see this whole netflix thing of like tiny houses i know it's really horrifying i mean uh, the thing is i yeah. like i love looking up real estate online and i'm like oh i could i could live in this little little shed you know and i'm like oh that's pure ideology i'm a millennial with no money fuck Mm -hmm. yeah (laughs) but i don't know i just think that like planning is like the 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 structure of the city is like really yeah i mean i mean it like there is the whole this is the interesting thing because obviously a lot of when a lot of european cities were built it was a different pre-capitalist or slightly different formation of society so you have like divinely ordained wealthy people quote unquote who like exploited people in a different way for the glory of other things but there was not a purely utilitarian structure to the the city because there were other things that were important like showing off wealth so you get beautiful buildings or yeah Mm -hmm. things like potentially um Mm -hmm. you know that like pre-welfare state quote unquote philanthropy (laughs) yeah Um, yeah i mean so yeah i kind of like the idea of like that community is important Mm -hmm. because it includes sort of disappointment into it because we already know what's at the end of like dealing with another person and it's like okay it's not it's not a utopic thing to want to spend more time with other people Mm -hmm. um but i just think like what do you think about like digital community simulacrums that it seems like that's like pretty close like you know you can be tied into a a vr system or whatever Mm -hmm. where maybe the problem is that like if you want to live in a city center especially in like a major city it's going to be really fucking expensive Um, i know that's the thing it's like it's funny that in the past potentially you spent more money to get away from other people and now it's super, super expensive to be in the center of things. Yeah. Like, you know, it's funny because different cities are different. Like um, there's the term inner city in the UK. I don't know if it happens in the US, but like we obviously have different um, structures in terms of like where the quote, we don't call them projects, but like uh, social housing is and all this kind of stuff. So there's like a greater mix. Whereas in the US, it seems like there's like area, like, defined areas um mm-hmm. but yeah no it like in the past potentially living right in the inner city was like bad you know and you want to live in the suburbs or whatever but now yeah there is a kind of like um estrangement a, yeah 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 yeah. i mean you paid yeah. for you paid to be estranged but mm-hmm. yeah now there is a sort of like premium to be paid on living in the city 
it's just yeah. I just think it's so sad that things that that are a form of self-sabotage become commodities and not only just commodities but expensive commodities yeah yeah i know mm. god and it's so hard to like libidinally disinvest and do actually what yeah. is the uh, for, what is it the best for Un, you unposh yeah unposh what's that unposh what do you mean yeah like it's not like hot it's not in fashion oh either. i see yeah 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 yeah. no i yeah. know i know and it's like um what is best for you i think tends to be like best for society but mm-hmm. it's difficult to know what's best for you because what we're told is best for us and what we feel is best for us in terms of if we you know we're engaged in death drive is very different from what is actually best for us yeah. and who fucking knows anyway yeah but yeah um what Should do you we think talk? oh go ahead. Oh, sorry go ahead. no you go you go no were you gonna change the subject because i was gonna do it too i can go after no you go first this is the portland okay. the portlandia skit <laughs> where you're at the stop sign it's like no you go no you go <laughs> uh okay well no i just wanted to talk about the differences between men and women when okay. it comes to romantic relationships mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, I had a few thoughts, but okay, I don't know go if you for it. Know. it is it, it, like, and I do think this um, this film is quite good on relationships. Um, yeah. I think there is a sort of like uh, desire that gets dissolved by proximity. Um, mm. But I don't know if if it like that's the intention of the film. I don't know if the film paints it as she gets depressed because she's in America, or it's because he's brought her over and then realizes that the is exotic other is not so exotic anymore yeah but i you know and then there is the yeah the 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 bringing in the third element of the rachel mcadams character etc i I think you know i think it is quite it speaks to a a certain truth about human desire but yeah yeah, what were you gonna what what thoughts do you have by the way i was gonna say that i thought olga was really good in this yeah i think she's a really good actress yeah i don't know like her her body language i thought it was like spot on of just Mm -hmm. being wanting to please the the her partner and then yeah. just like almost always having like an eye on him and seeing yeah, his reactions yeah. to what she does and everything it's just like that it's was very like really, yeah really, it was That's like very yeah i thought it was like a very soulful passionate mm-hmm. performance um but anyway. which is funny because she's not she's not french i think she might have grown up in france for a little while but like isn't she russian she's, or she's very russian to me like very not a french character but there you go yeah <laughs> yeah um no, yeah no. sorry uh, so i was gonna say um so basically i think that the way that men fall in love is like very different i think mm-hmm. i actually sent you an excerpt from the wellbeck thing yeah the wellbeck yeah. the serotonin yeah. book. i won't i won't go into that specifically but what i got away from it is like I think that men when a man sort of like gives himself completely to a love to like a like a passionate loving relationship mm-hmm. um it's almost kind of like an event yeah um it's almost like kind of tr- like you know like our shitty version of what would be transcendent it's not mm-hmm. but um like i don't know i just think that it's not in a lot of men's nature to fall in love in that way um it goes against their nature in that way it's like it's self-transcendent i guess uh, so do you mean? Like, so you're saying like that basically the the obsessive falls in love at once, whereas yeah, 
the, hyster- Whereas I, the hysteric, I, yeah. I would say as a woman, like it takes me, this is the funny thing, because obviously I think there's like loads of different forms of desire that are like kind of interchangeable by gender, but there are sort of, it, we can say it's sort of gendered because I think because of the contingent nature of both material reality and biology, men from a Freudian sense tend to be obsessive just as a proviso before I get done for gen- <laughs> like yeah. saying women do this and men do this um but that's a whole other conversation that whole like biological gender gender as a drag weird thing it's so fucking contradictory that whole ideology is amazing anyway um yeah yeah no but as a, as as a woman it takes me a long time <laughs> to fall in love yeah. like a long like months yeah. And so at the start of a relationship, it's like, uh, okay, I'll give this a go. <laughs> and then, you know, it takes a long time. No, it's, it, I mean, I'm not like, uh, I'm not saying that you're like women are full on drive all the time to mm-hmm. want to fall in love or whatever. But I do think that there's like a, there's an instinctual, nah, not instinctual, but there's a primary drive that is not on all the time. Mm-hmm. But I think that maybe it's there to want to get married or to want to like uh, foment like a specific type of relationship that is according to her desires and like and all of that. And I think that men are just a little bit more aloof, like I don't yeah. know, like maybe too distracted to fall in love, I guess. But it does happen yeah. to a lot of men that they do fall in love. But it's sort of like a like a catastrophic thing, and that's why I'm saying that it's like an event because it. It lays to rest like everything that came before it. It's and I think that men also... Sorry, go ahead. No, 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 no. I just had a few thoughts, but continue. No, I was going to I was gonna go in a different direction, so go for it. No, I was just going to say about, um, you know, you say about the, the, the woman, female desire potentially to like for men to sort of like to nest and like have a long-term thing. And it's interesting about this idea of like, you know, what, what's biological and what's contingent, you know? <laughs> Um, mm-hmm. But then also, so I was thinking about like the trope of the kind of hot woman. Um, yeah. Like a lot of uh, the kind of hottest women I know <laughs> have real difficulty with men um, because they want well, certain ones that I know want long term relationships. But yeah. what they kind of like symbolically represent is like potentially a different form of desire. Yeah. And they maybe have, I'm thinking of one person in particular, like, Com- like multiple drives of like being desired like freshly you know <laughs> yeah, and then yeah. also like wanting to just be in a normal fucking relationship yeah interesting yeah anyway <laughs> no and i and i just think that so this is weird like and i could be completely wrong about this these are just my my thoughts but like i think that romance doesn't isn't born in men like instinctive instinctively mm-hmm. uh i think it, it has to be put there by by a woman or by a partner it doesn't matter Interesting. but a sort of a, like a sort of feminine sort of uh presence or whatever have you read um, the book the rules lol <laughs> <laughs> no <laughs> the, the book that was handed around at my boarding school when we were teenagers yeah. of like how to get a man to fall in love with you <laughs> uh-huh well, i don't know i not, don't think it really works but there is an element there's like you know as with everything there's an element of truth yeah. to it but it's about like basically giving the obsessive what he needs to fall in love with him yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh no um i just think that it's like uh it has to be planted 
Um, yeah. Or I guess I, maybe I should stop saying That's man, but maybe the the obsessive or whatever. Yeah. And uh, like, yeah, by a warm gesture or but it's sort of like this unconditional invitation that I think maybe only a hysteric can can plant there. Um, like, I don't know, a lot of like guys uh, and I'm talking just like my the, the guys that I know. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't know. Like it almost kind of requires a sort of like emotional trap for them to fall into it, and it's the it's 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 a good thing. But um, I don't know. I think like men idealize everything that is like emotional, mm-hmm. and uh, maybe that's why they they guard themselves like against it. Yeah, and it requires like some kind of like imperative gesture for them to like get out of that sort of fear, and I think women are sort of like equipped to be able to give those gestures or to give them life um whether it's like physical or warmth or like sexual and all of that stuff like that's interesting like w- like women sort of occupy a field that is a lot more amplified of mm-hmm. emotional gestures and they can do it mm-hmm. but m- men sort of need to be shaken out of this sort of shell you know um it's funny i see i I was going to say, have you ever cried in front of a man? It's amazing the power of like, like it, it's funny because I'm not saying like, oh, t- just cry to get what you want, women, <laughs> because that's yeah. not what I'm saying at all. But like, I'm always surprised by how tears affect men, mm-hmm. um, and how like for me, like I cry all the fucking time. It's like it's not it doesn't mm-hmm. mean anything. You know, I'm so over emotional, and then seeing like the man's response to it and this like desire to like quell it at all costs i'll do anything to make you stop crying oh my god <laughs> yeah. it's like <laughs> yeah yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah it's very funny um I no, do, but, yeah no, and i also think that like for men it's like uh, uh maybe maybe this doesn't apply to everybody mm-hmm. but i'm just speaking from experience like don't you think that like when a man falls in love it's this sort of um it feels like a sort of event that feels like a little bit more heavy and uh, like because like when a man falls in love, I think it literally like disarms him completely mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. it almost em- empties him out. Uh, and I wonder maybe like a lot of guys that are like I was reading this article of like a lot of guys that are like very loving in loving relationships mm-hmm. like they don't fuck anymore like they're yeah. just like they they don't cheat they're yeah. like they're nice and they're kind and everything but they don't fuck yeah. and uh it, it like i don't know in some way like there's this sort of like exchange between being in a relationship where it's like very committed mm-hmm. but there's like you know you end up not having this sort of it's a drive for a drive i guess that's what I'm trying to say. A drive for a drive. I mean, yeah, there's this kind of like trope of the man being castrated in like a long-term relationship or like when the ring is on it. Yeah. But yeah. I think it's I think it's um not not uh voluntary. Yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah, yeah. yeah. No, exactly. Um yeah, that's interesting. Yeah, that there's some kind of like node that is entered into when you have the man and the woman. Yeah, no, it's interesting. I, I was just thinking, going back to the idea of the hot woman, I have this like hard take um, about how a lot of, because obviously um, being conventionally attractive as, okay, this is where, you know, the gender is a drag thing. I think there's like an element of truth to it because there is a performativity in being like an attractive person and there are certain like societal expectations of what hot is and certain kind of aesthetic 
um, norms you engage in and ways you dress and do your hair and everything. So yeah, there is a sort of performativity to it, but like a lot of the like, let's say the femme fatale hottest women I know are like very obsessive women. And to me, like very inhabited by their father. <laughs> like, yeah. They're very like masculine females. And you do like, I think, um, what's the word? Uh, Camille Paglia has this, you know, like theoretical idea about a trans as a, a women who think like men. And I do like a lot of, so basically there's this idea of like, oh, if you're just completely hot, you'll get every man you want and it'll be super easy. But I think that there mm -hmm. is this actual thing of like, let's say being an obsessive woman who happens to be aesthetically pleasing and also enacts this femme fatale role. <laughs> and then you're kind yeah. of like stuck because you both, what you mm -hmm. have these kind of like instinctual nesting drives and then also you're like, men kind of want to sleep with you and that's it. Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. But and do you think that... Um <laughs> I, I don't know do you think that women expect from men a sort of a sort of exchange do you think that women yes. expect for something to be lost in them yeah, 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 once yeah. they go yeah. into, into yeah, I think there's like a committed relationship like, yeah like a sort of sacrifice <laughs> sort of yeah. like um, mm -hmm. and I think that you know there is a sort of like so do you think like women are kind of like necrological or yeah, like they like expect a, a kind of death or something? It's funny, you know, there's a, the, I really didn't like the film. I had to leave the cinema. Um, it's Killing of a Sacred Deer. But like Nicole Kidman acts like a sort of corpse when she's being slept with. But like, mm. yeah, potentially it's the other way around. <laughs> yeah. In reality. Um, yeah. Yeah, that's funny. Uh, yeah, yeah, it's like you're my little you're my little sheep now. Hee hee hee. <laughs> I'm the shepherdess. Um no, I <laughs> uh. <laughs> so, you know they have to like stick with that like thing on the end where you like grab them by the neck and pull them over here. Um mm -hmm. yeah, no, I, I I think there's also, you know, there's a lot of like anxiety at the moment about obviously gender roles and as we said, like contingent like all of these desire structures are completely contingent on like material reality and like what develops is contingent on I guess a previous the only thing that, whatever. The thing that needs to happen is for mm. for feminine uh uh, uh no sorry toxic femininity to come into the argument as well <laughs> oh my god really... just go to the funny thing is though so toxic femininity like every girl who's been to a fucking high school knows exactly what that is <laughs> yeah no <laughs> yeah yeah and i and, and, and i mean to me it's like there's a lot of ways that you can talk about it um like i don't know a fixation with transparency or a desire for devotion and all of that like those are entirely yeah, known things yeah, yeah. that are like that could be talked about but things are so fucked up right now that it's just like you know you can yeah, only well, it's kind of one-sided but we all know who's in power now um no, but <laughs> i do also think that a lot of the uh i don't know what are we in the fourth wave feminism millennial feminism uh oh is God, you know yeah. women not feeling like they are getting what they desire and being yeah. really fucking angry about it. It's funny, this, mm -hmm. I was reading this thing recently about like a woman. Yeah, that's why everything is like reduced to like pronouns and like very specific sort of rules of yeah. how you can even talk. Because it's, like it's that, so disappointing, you know? Yeah, it's like, where's where's the man earning more paying for everything? <laughs> Ooh, <laughs> mm -hmm. can't have it both ways now. No, that's terrible. Um, but the idea of like, um, I was reading this thing about I don't know. Maybe did you send it to me about like a woman saying about her partner doesn't earn more than her and she finds it unattractive or 
there's a, a woman, oh, I, I used to see all these articles at the time about um, should the woman pay if she has more? Or, and the thing mm. is, though, I'm not dictating anything and like everybody has their own formulation and can desire whatever the fuck they want. And I like, I think in my relationship, if I earned more, I'd pay for more, you know, like whatever. Yeah. But we're talking in like general terms and I do think there is a sort of disappointment. Yeah. Disappointment. Yeah, and I think it's like, well, I don't know. I, it's just things are not like okay. <laughs> things <laughs> big, are never okay. News, huh? Things are never yeah. okay. But the funny thing is, it's like don't take what people are complaining about at face value. Yeah, exactly. It tends think, to be yeah, like some I mean. kind of like fucking mm. sublimation into something else, or like it's too embarrassing to put your finger on what it actually is. So yeah. make up some movement. <laughs> Yeah, but it's like it's like, uh, and I think what I meant is like you know, uh, identity is bullshit. Yeah. But it's even worse when some identities are like repressed or or suppressed, and only some mm-hmm. count. Like you know, it's like a lie on top of a lie. I know exactly because the first lie is that mm-hmm. you belong to some fucking. I just the the, the other fire. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Some word. The other thing I just. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, and also like the absolute fallacy that something just because you like can name something, it like becomes a thing, or like, or you understand yeah. it, or oh, it's answered. I've invented a word and I've invented a term, and now it's like ta-da. Um, yeah, you know the truth yeah, it's, is it's, what it's, is not captured by the word. Yeah, it's 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 like a it's a good it's a good. Uh, it's a rejection of the universal with like double depth. You yeah, know, it's like the first layer is like the fact that the particular is actually like or, or the adoration of the particular. And then on top of that, it's like burying the universal even more because it's not, you know, it's funny. Yeah, exactly. that like I, It's, it's yeah. funny that identity is not inclusive, which, you know, like whatever inclusive. <laughs> I know it's like it's like this stupid like they love the way it's like this it's like leftist quote unquote thing it's like where's the universal in this okay the universal yeah. i would say is that everybody has to put like signifier on top of signifier on top of signifier on top of signifier mm. and still it's not fucking enough yeah like, i am a like and all these new words i'm a cis head female did did like how many do you fucking need well cis infinite head skater boy uh, i don't even know what the things are anymore no. there's all these new yeah. terms what's this vs have you seen this thing on like vseo girl is that what it is it's like no i'm still i'm, I'm, I'm so still old. reeling i'm still reeling from the jamila jamil thing of uh the landlord the landlord's choice I can't even speak. I can't even speak. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I can't even. If you guys don't know what we're talking about, just go over to Instagram. Is it you saw it on Instagram? Yeah, I took a picture of it and sent it to you. <laughs> and uh, yeah, she basically was saying that she was equivocating um, uh, uh, abortion rights with landlord rights, and it's like you know, it's the landlord's choice, not the tenant, not the neighbor, or whatever. It's like my, but anyway, it was just horrible. I mean, the funny thing is, it's like, of course, what do you, abort, you know, I, I don't think anything in this world is a given mm-hmm. anyway. So that like everything's up for debate, A, before we even like address the topic, but B, is your reason, is your reason for wanting abortion actual just like general person's rights, which yeah, of course, or is it 
you were like capitalism wants you to do it so that you can be a better fucking work agent like let's yeah. just let's just ask that and this is the thing it's like so many of the quote-unquote liberal talking points align so perfectly with capitalism what capital oh yeah you know requires of us so inherently like, yeah yeah mm. so there's what this is why of course you get like the trumpian dissing of all the liberal talking points because it's like yeah you guys it's like completely contradictory and um you know you've got to you've got to take the bernie approach it's yeah, got yeah, to be yeah. the universal mm-hmm. which is like yeah the universal <laughs> you have the you know to, to whatever extent as much of right as you possibly can over your body and like obviously in the past there wasn't there weren't technologies there were reasons why there were certain uh, societal structures at play because of you died during childbirth you know like there's so many different factors yeah um children yeah, died so basically- you have to have 10 children blah 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 you know it's just yeah, and this ideology. Sorry, go ahead. No, no, no. I, I finished. <laughs> no, I was just gonna say that in this idea, I like ideology of capitals, like the sort of indivisible remainder is um, the working class. Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. it's so funny that it's the majority, and it's still sort of like perceived as the remainder, or or like uh, the um, what's that word? Mm. No, I don't know the access or whatever. Everybody's yeah. a temporarily frustrated, you Instagram influencer. The residue. I that was the word yeah. I was trying to remember. I always find it funny that in the U.S., so in the U.K., middle class means um, bourgeois basically, uh, and in the U.S., like middle class has been kind of just used for like basically working class, just what everybody yeah. is like middle class. It's like okay, but I don't know. I think that speaks to the fact that you know. This idea of like um, potential for becoming the boss. Yeah. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. Completely. Um, but <laughs> so yeah, no. Depressing. I just it's like I have to say, the liberal adoption of social justice is my just depressed. It's just too depressing it's too depressing <laughs> yeah. i used to i actually used to enjoy it i used to get a lot of annoyment from it and i was like haha this is so funny ha, ha, ha. now i just yeah. i just it depresses me i can't i was yeah. i looked i saw this tweet the other day about um oh, this like the term class reduction the invention of the term class reductionist and how it's just like a way to it's just like a synonymous with racism or something it's just like oh mm-hmm. my god oh my god it's terrible <laughs> didn't you send me something that was like oh solar panels are racist now or something like that uh, did i <laughs> maybe uh, sounds like something i would find online <laughs> <laughs> yeah. oh god it's so depressing um anyway I know. Um, but the thing is it's we- like it's that whole thing. It's like first as tragedy, then as fast. But I used to find it funny. Now I don't. Is there is is there an opposite of that? That's also true. First as a joke, uh, then as like the world's most depressing nightmare. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> that's the perfect one for it now. Yeah. Yeah. Anywho. Anyway, uh, should we end it there? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, and I think next time we're going to talk about individualism. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, we have a sur- we have a surprise uh, movie that we'll a be talking movie. to you guys. Yeah, about. but basically, I guess the point about Malik is the idea of the search leads to transcendence, and that there's mm-hmm. sort of like a mother nature kind of like global spirit that 
is in command and if you kind of listen to the whisperings of the leaves there's something there yeah yeah but yeah, i like i like his films i really like terence malick so what can i say <laughs> I, str- I still struggle but uh i can see i can yeah. see why you like him yeah, yeah. <laughs> anyway okay well we'll Alrighty. speak to you next time all right thanks for listening bye bye mm-hmm.